God is good. Hallelujah. Amen. Just to make a, a couple more announcements. Number one is like we're ending our class, our series on counseling, but we're going to start a, there's going to be a class November 10th, and that's going to be on expunging uh, felonies for those that need to consider that, uh, the process of expungement. So, amen. We're going to have uh, a class, and it's going to be taught by someone who just got that all, took care of all those things and wants to share those steps with others. And so uh, we'll be having flyers for that coming up uh, real soon. And also, I wanted to, to mention, I just got a, a note right here. It says, that, it says that we're going to disqualify the youth Bible study and Francis's Bible study from the candy thing in the back. And uh, so we'll just, take, we'll just take those and divide them into the other two uh, bins, all right? So. <laughs> uh, because of cheating, that's why, okay. All right. All right. If you have your Bibles, uh, if you can open them up to the, the book of Jude, the last book before the book of Revelation, Jude. And it's only one chapter. So Jude verse three, Jude three. Hallelujah. And I'll be reading from the New International Version of the Bible. This is what it says. Dear friends. Although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that as we read your word that you would speak to us. Help us, Lord God, to to hear you, Lord, not just with our minds, but, but to sense, to feel the compelling of your spirit upon our hearts. To hear you, Lord God, with, with the sense of knowing that you are urging us in new ways, in better ways. This is my prayer for us this morning, to be able to discern the guiding of your spirit upon our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's people say, amen. 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 Now you may already know this, but uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh, she went on to have other children after Jesus was born and time had gone uh, by. She had other children, and Jude, the writer of this book, was one of them. He was one of the, those, those children, a brother of, of Jesus. And, and his name, Jude, is short for Judas. Did you know that there were other Judases in the New Testament? There were five of them, and, and he's one of them. And so Jude is short for Judas, like Joe is short for Joseph. You know, it's a, a shorter name. And at that time, it's probably a good idea to change your name, you know. You wouldn't want to be known. I don't think anybody else names their kids Jude, Judas, you know. I don't know of, of a single Judas uh, today, I mean, you have Matthews and you have Johns, you have other uh, biblical names, but I don't know. I, I know Tracy was considering, you know, naming Keanu Jude, Judas at one point, but I guess she shifted it, uh, you know. But, but that's who this is, um, a brother of, of Jesus. And, and since he introduces himself 
as a brother of James, we know that James, the only James that we know in the scriptures, in the New Testament, that had a brother named Jude is the brother of Jesus. And, and because the names of his brothers are listed there in the, in the Gospel of, of Matthew. And so, so we know exactly who this is that's writing. And that makes it even more, for me, even more fascinating what he's talking about. Uh, Jude wasn't always convinced that his brother Jesus was the Lord. He wasn't always convinced of that. He had, uh, he, both he and, and, and his brothers, his other brothers, poked fun at Jesus. If you were to read in John chapter 7, verse 3, they were taunting him to ridicule him, to try and belittle his mission and, and his idea of, of who he was as Lord and Savior. And they, and they taunted him, oh, anybody who wants to become a public figure will go out and, and begin to make a spectacle of himself. Go on, go to, the, go to the festival, show the people who you are, taunting him. And although Jude wasn't a disciple of Jesus, at some point he later found evidence of Christ's divinity. And it was so impossible for him to resist whatever that evidence was. And we're not told of, of that turning point in his life. But it had to have been a dramatic thing. I mean, he, imagine, he, that's his, his brother. He, he, he grew up with him. And I'm, and I'm sure at the time when they ridiculed Christ, those who were already a bit skeptical of Jesus were even more weary of listening to Jesus or believing in Jesus uh, because of what they saw in Jude and, and James and, and Joseph and Simon, the other brothers of Christ, who were totally unconvinced that Jesus was the Lord. They were unconvinced that he was who he said he was. And when others who were just a bit skeptical heard them, it's, man, well, that's, that's his brother. These are his brothers. And if you were on the fence about Christ, man, this would have put you over on the other side. But something happened to Jude at some point. Something powerful, something miraculous. And the faith that he once ridiculed is now his own faith. Now it's something he embraces and fights for, willing to fight for. And this is what he wanted to write about. He's going to write this letter. This is what he was going to write about, the salvation we share. That's what he says. He, he describes it. I, I was, you know, I, I felt compelled, urged to, to write about the salvation we share. And, and, it, and it had to be special to Jude because he was a non-believer at one time, right? A non-believer. So can you imagine that? Now that, he's, now that he knows the Lord, now that, he, now that he's saved and, and he has the opportunity to write, even some of the, the apostles hadn't even written a letter in the Bible. The, the, the New Testament isn't written by all 12 apostles. Some of them are silent and we don't know much about any of their lives and direction. But Jude had the opportunity to write something. And he says, man, I felt, I, I was so eager to write about this salvation. I know why. You look at his history, that's why. It, it probably meant all the more to him because of his history, because of his past, because of the, of the times when he, when he did what he did and then at some point had a turning in his life, at some point had a, a transition, a whole change in his outlook, 
about who his brother was, about who God was, and what God is calling us to do and be. So he says here in verse 3, I was very eager to write about the salvation we share. And your version may have something a little bit different, but it's saying the same thing. Very eager to write about this. But then he felt something. That's fascinating. He felt something. The last half of verse 3 says, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. In the New Century version of the Bible, it says, but I felt the need to write you about something else. As much as my heart was set on talking to you about salvation, I felt something. And that feeling turned him in a different direction. The New American Standard Bible says, I felt the necessity. Something took place in Jude's mind or in Jude's heart just as he sat to write this, this letter and it took him into a, a new, even a better direction. A direction that he wasn't prepared to talk about, but it was a better direction because it was useful not just to Jude, but to everyone he's writing to. What was it that Jude felt? And how can we identify this feeling and associate the feeling that he felt, this compelling, this longing, this new change in direction? How can we associate that with the Spirit of God? How can we recognize that it's God that is moving me in a new direction and not me? And not what I think. Does God do that? Does God create a feeling? Is there a, a moment in, in our lives just in the every day of our lives, we can even be opposed to something, radically opposed to something, and then all of a sudden God steers us in a different way that changes the whole trajectory of our lives. Like it changed the whole trajectory of his letter. We wouldn't have this letter. He would have been talking about salvation, and the, and the quality of that letter that he was originally going to write may not have even made it to Scripture. But God steered him in a new way. And because he was faithful to what God steered him to write about, it became in, you know, uh, coded here in Scripture. It became a part of God's word. Does God do that? And if he does, how do you know which impulse is God? How do you know? When we, when we talk about growing in discernment, this is exactly what we're talking about. This is what we're talking about. Recognizing that feeling, the urge, the, the voice, uh, recognizing direction to, to know. And, and, and there are people who have different views, and I've talked about it before, different views about, about discerning where, what is God's will for my life. And, and there are many people who have that target view of, of calling, that, that that unless I hit the bullseye, I'm going to miss God's perfect will for my life. And we see it as, as a target, as a bullseye, as a, 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 a circle of, of rings, concentric rings with the bullseye in the middle. And unless I hit the, the center, I'm going to miss God. I'll find his permissive will, but not his perfect will. And we have language all about it. We can describe it. And then there are others who say, well, well, you know what? If the Lord is a shepherd, then the pasture is his. 
And wherever I am as a sheep, as long as I can hear his voice, I know I'm in the right place. Wherever I am, I can hear the voice of my shepherd calling me this way, and he'll lead me. He'll lead me. He'll protect me and guide me in the pasture. In that way, I don't miss the perfect will. The perfect will is to be in the pasture with the shepherd. That's a whole different paradigm, a whole different way of seeing how we might fit in God's plan. So does God do this? Does God call us to something specific? Does God change our direction and, and, and speak to us in a voice or lead us with his hand or, or however it happens? And if he does, how do we know? Some believe that Jude was simply motivated by what was happening in, in the church. As he looked around uh, the church at the time, uh, he may have just simply changed his mind. He saw things were happening and, and, it, and, and just, hey, you know what? Uh, let me just change the direction of my letter. And it's, it was more a pragmatic response, more of a, a practical and logical response, simply because I see, you know what? It, it's better for me to write about this thing than that thing. And some believe that. Practical. It's a practical thing. And there was nothing spiritual about it. He was simply writing out of a responsibility and a duty as a leader to address the current issues as they were. Let me just talk about this. And then there are others who believe that this is much more than that. This is a divine dispensation, an intervention from God, that this is God himself intervening in, in Jude's life to bring direction that Jude did not have. It was a whisper from God or that guiding hand that urged him to see what God sees, to turn him, to turn his head, to look, to turn his heart, to feel and, and, and to see and to recognize and to respond accordingly. And so you have these different ideas about what's happening here. Why would he change halfway through the letter? Some may call it following your heart or a gut feeling. But I see it more as the guiding voice of God, that still, small voice that may not be as dramatic as, like in Elijah's situation, it may not be as dramatic as the splitting of a mountain, as a wind that breaks the rocks or fire and, and all the, the, the great things that he witnessed as he, as he was on the run. And then that still, small voice, the thing that could be almost imperceptible, you wouldn't even hear it, you wouldn't recognize it. But he was able to capture what God was trying to say to him. Some may call it, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, a, a feeling, a, a, a whatever, but I think it's that voice of God that in the midst of him writing this letter, he heard God. Sometimes we use the word burden to describe it that I have a burden to help those that need help. I have a burden for the lost. And that burden is, a, is something you feel. It's something you feel. A burden is like a load. It's like a weight. It's like something you're carrying and, and you can't seem to throw it off. And, and I can't find peace unless I fulfill this burden that I feel upon my life. A burden to evangelize, a burden to help men and women through life uh, situations, uh, you know, recovery, whatever it may be. Other times we may describe it as simply being led, being led, or, or as a sense, I, I sense God leading me one way or another, or a calling, 
or an anointing, however you describe it. It's not from you. It's from God. Jude had intended to write on a very important and exciting topic, salvation. When you think about talking about salvation, the salvation we share, man, that's a topic I think about all the time. That's a good topic. Let's talk about salvation. Amen. Let's talk about what we have as believers. I think about this all the time. Every Bible study, when, when I sit there at, in Bible study, and I think about, man, look at this is so beautiful. We have people coming together that love the Lord and we, and we, and we talk amongst ourselves and fellowship amongst our, ourselves. It's like a piece of heaven, a piece of heaven in Linux of all places. Amen. <laughs> Heaven's come down. That's why in the back, if you want to go to heaven, no, I'll just, well, I won't go there. All right? But that's what it's like, a momentary escape from the evil in this world, to come around people where relationships are real, where people are real, where you can just talk and be yourself. Thank God for salvation. That's what he wanted to talk about. Thank God for grace. And, and someday all of this will be gone. All of this will be gone. The world will be gone. The way we know it, it will be gone. It'll be all over. And we'll be in his presence forever. Man, praise the Lord. I think about that. I think about that often. Amen. That's a good topic. That's a good topic. I think about it so much. I even have my heavenly neighborhood mapped out. I'm praying, God, can I, can I create my own community in heaven with my own neighbors? And I'm asking if I could put like my request for neighbors. And I'm thinking like maybe Jacob and Araceli. Hernan and Sonia, Randall and Trace, and I'm thinking about people who can cook well, just in case Debbie doesn't cook one night. You know, I just, I just go next door, you know? So, so this is no insignificant change of directions for Jude. I mean, he's talking about a good topic, the salvation we share. That's a good thing to talk about. But midway, right at the beginning, he was shifting into a different way. And only God, only God can invade that inner space in our hearts and our minds to bring about a, a change in your purpose. That's God who's doing that. In, in many ways, this is identical to what happened to Saul on the road to, to Damascus. He had an idea of what was true, of what was right, of what was a, 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 a proper purpose of his history, of his learning, of, of his passion. What was right for him is to, is to arrest Christians. What was right to him was to follow the law, to stamp out any form, uh, uh, you know, uh, any, what he thought was a perverted form of Judaism, to, to stop it, to, to imprison Christians. And then God led him in a new way. He felt something. He was guided in a diff different way, in a similar way. You may have had great ideas at some point, plans at some point, great plans, but God had greater plans. So he, he'll tell you, man, I know the plans that I have for you. As good as your plans are, I know the plans that I have. And he will make us aware in some way, in some way that his plans are different. At some point, we have to ask ourselves, how were the writers of scriptures aware of inspiration? They were obviously aware. 
that here's where my words cease and God's words begin. More than 400 times in the Bible, the writers of, of the Bible, they would say, thus saith the Lord. They recognize these aren't my words. And they wouldn't dare give themselves credit for something God is saying. Thus saith the Lord. That's an awareness of his inspiration. Or, or the word of the Lord came to me. That's an awareness of, of a voice that was speaking to them. Or they were aware in some way of, the, of that voice, aware that God enters into the world that we live in and leads us in a better way. They understood that. And we need to understand the same thing. Not that God is writing scripture today. He's not writing scripture. He's simply confirming it and redirecting the course of our lives to fulfill it. How often have you been eager to do one thing, excited about whatever that thing might be, and then saw the necessity to do something better? Willing to put down what you wanted to do. Man, I want to do this. Man, I, I can see the need for it, the, the collective good of it, and, and how it would be a blessing for, for me and my family and others. But then in the very next moment, a sense of a change in priority. It is better for me to go this way. Pastor Danny described it perfectly a, a couple of weeks ago when he was saying how, you know, how people say, well, something told me. Something told me I should have done this. Or something told me, right? And he described it as that other name for God, amen? Something. Because that something is always telling us something, right? Something. Unfortunately, the experts are divided about what that something is. While some believe that... Uh, it was Jude's awareness of actual events in the church. Jude himself says, it was needful for me to write to you about something other than I was eager to write about in the first place. I felt something. I felt compelled to switch directions. He, 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 prompted, he was prompted by this concern for the church. And in the sheer instance of that moment, he was able to change directions, to feel the priority of, of a pressing topic, a new topic, or, or, or that the Spirit of God was whispering to his heart. And he sensed it, he heard it, that still, small voice that's so easy, easily overlooked today. There are so many voices in the world, man, it's like hard. It's hard sometimes to recognize, to pinpoint the still, small voice of God. And if your mind is anything like my mind, there's like a thousand stations going on, you know, at the same time, right? Your radio in your car probably has one station. My, my head has like all kinds of voices, you know, it's like, like you're like switching the channel. How do you hear the, the voice of the Lord? In all the noise, in all the noise in the world. And, and, you know, and with the access, I mean, we've come to a place in technology where you are never free from someone trying to reach you. We're always carrying a, a, a smartphone. They can email you, they can text you, they can call you, somebody's calling you right now. Hello. Right, we're, we're always, there's always another voice, but do we hear that still small voice? God presented a better plan, a more useful plan, a plan that will not only bless Jude, but it'll bless those he's writing to. But can you feel the gentle shifting? Can you feel it? Do you feel compelled to follow God's way? Do you feel that? 
He didn't force Jude, but he made it so obvious to Jude that he would have to be totally numb to miss, miss it. He, 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 he burdened Jude with something to where he was able to say, man, I feel compelled. I, I feel the urging to go a different way. In the Old Testament, God called Israel stiff-necked, stiff-necked or obstinate. Whenever he tried to compel them to follow a better way and they refused, he would call them stiff-necked. Stiff-necked because they couldn't seem to turn away from the direction they were going. Their, ne their necks were stuck on, on, on forward, stuck on whatever they were going. And God said, hey, let me turn you a little bit. Let me steer you in a different way. But their necks were stuck. They couldn't turn to see God. They couldn't hear God. So this is God's invitation to abandon the old and to walk in the new. And Jude felt it. He felt it not only necessary that he should write this letter, but that he should write this letter according to God's subject rather than his own subject. Good subject, but a better subject would be to follow God. And this morning, whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, his love constrains you, compels you, and his ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And even now, even now, as good as things might be in your life, he compels you to better things. He invites you to better things, higher things. Do you sense his hand upon you? Have you heard his voice speaking to you? This is such an unusual passage of Scripture, really unusual passage of Scripture. There's no other verse like this in the Bible. No other verse where, where someone is writing and, or, or someone is speaking, whether it was prophecy or written like this in a letter, where someone starts out to say, hey, you know what, this is what I was going to talk about, but I could feel a change of direction. There, there's no other verse like this. It's an indication of, of, of a moving, that something moved him. That's just, and, and to be able to follow that moving is discernment, to recognize this is God. Jude was content to write about something else, but the Spirit of God changed his mind and led him to write about something that was needful for the church. So when do we follow the feeling? That's a tough question, man, because we don't follow feelings, right? We follow faith. We follow faith. But when do we follow that urging? What is the urging if not a feeling? What is it without, if it's, it's, it's like a sensing, it's like a, you know, uh, an urge, a desire. When do we follow that? How do we recognize that it's God? So, so I thought, I began to think about this and, um, and I see a couple of possibilities, just as I re read through this. So I'll throw a few out. I don't have the complete exhaustive list, but just a few things that I can share with you that I think might be important. Number one, is the feeling consistent with your convictions? And so we have to ask, what are my convictions? What do I know is true about God? Because God won't urge me towards something that is not true of him, that is not consistent with God, that's not consistent with his word, that's not consistent with his will for my life or for our family or, or whatever, it may, whatever it may be. Does it align with what you know about God's character and, 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 and scripture? 
Does it, is it something that you know God ultimately wants to do in your life or in the world? And when you recognize this is what God is doing, because he's already at work doing things where we don't see him. He's already, he's evangelizing in our city. Whether you are there or not to evangelize, whether I am there or not, God is evangelizing. That's why we go to the streets. It's because he's already touching lives. And we need to be there to catch those who recognize a call from God. That, that God is urging them to move into a different direction. It was God who evangelized Adam. When Adam messed up and Eve messed up, it was evangelism is, Adam, where are you? That's evangelism. When there was no one else to go, God was there to go. Does it align with what you know about God? Because he'll never violate his word or his character. So when you feel that urging, when you feel, think about what your convictions are, what you know is true, what you know is right, and see if it aligns. Another way of testing the feeling is the feeling consistent with your context, the situation that you're in. In other words, look at where you are, and you have an urging to do something. Take note of what's going on around you. I remember years ago, and I, I, don't, I don't even know if I've ever shared this story with you, but when I first got saved, we, we, were, we were just, man, maybe in the church for a week or two. I had, prior to that, I, I, was, I had gone to a, a football, it was a football training camp at the Coliseum. I went to the training camp, and I did well enough that I was going to fly to another one uh, later on that month. But at the same time, our church was having a, uh, a men's retreat. And there was only maybe 12 people in the church. 12 people. I remember Pastor Johnny Heredia just got saved. And we were, we were you know, and, and it was just a few of us. And I had to decide, okay, am, am I going to go to this thing? Man, I can, who, I can make it big in the NFL. You know, all these dreams and aspirations. It was all on my mind, you know, and, and, but then I thought about my situation, my context. Man, my, my marriage needs me to be better. My kids need me to be better. And, and does football make me better or does God make me better? And I remember thinking that. I remember trying to decide. And, and, and when I, I had the, the, this desire to go to this thing and, and the flight was paid for, everything was paid for for me. But then I thought, okay, what do I really need right now? Will, will, will I get to this place? And even if I had great success, can I then change my situation? And I decided to go to the men's retreat. And God really changed my life. And I have no regrets that I went to that retreat. For Jew Amen. Amen. Now, if I had to do it all over again, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's not true. No, no. For Jude, evil people had infiltrated the church. And he could have ignored all of that and talked about the salvation that we share. And, and, and not even address the current problem. Jude, look around. Man, if you feel the urging to address it, look around. Is it a real problem? Yes. It's a real problem. Perhaps this is God urging you 
to just take a look, man, and deal with what's going on in your life. What's going on in your life? What's going on in your family that we need to, to take uh, notice of, to pay attention to? And perhaps that gentle voice, that nudging that you feel is consistent with a need to address your current situation. To write about the salvation we share would have been great, I think. It, it tends to be uh, you know, uh, needed more often than not to, to talk about the value of salvation, but it looks off into the future when God wanted him to take care of the here and now. To, to put your, plant your feet on the ground where you live. What about your family? What about your own salvation, the things you're struggling with? Be urged and moved to take care of those things. Recognize that this was a divine dispensation, God-given grace, to cease from what you're doing and what you feel so urgent to do in order to do something that is necessary for the moment. Thirdly and lastly, so consistent with your context, consistent with your conviction, but also consistent with your calling. Is this feeling consistent with what I'm called? I know that I'm called to do and to be. And Jude, as a leader, was a watchman. He had a duty to blow the trumpet. There's things going on, and, and I gotta say something. I, I, I can't just sit by and watch things develop that could be potentially harmful to the believers. As a watchman, I have to blow the trumpet. You have to take care of this. This is consistent. So this urging to talk about salvation, that's good. Salvation is good, and, and, and as, as a leader, you wanna do that. But you're called to be a shepherd. You're called to be a watchman. And that feeling to change directions didn't conflict with his calling. In fact, it complements his calling. So has God spoken to you? And if he has, do you recognize the voice? Do you recognize the urging? Do you recognize that gentle nudge? It, it doesn't overwhelm, it doesn't overpower. It may be very subtle, almost uh, you know, difficult, nearly impossible to recognize. A, a gentle voice, a still small voice that leads you into a way that is better, amen? Will you stand with me this morning? Thank you, Lord. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once entrusted to all the saints. Father God, I pray this morning, Lord, that this, that this passage and what it indicates for Jude would be true for us, Lord, that we are able to sense, even in the midst of what we feel urged to do and to be and to talk about, that we would sense the urging of the Lord, the, hear the voice to recognize our current situations, what is best for us for the moment, to discern the voice, to hear you, Lord. What are you saying to us about our marriage? What are you saying to us about our thought life? What are you saying to us about how we spend our time and our money? 
the still small voice that's easily overlooked? What are you saying to us about, about fellowship and the need to connect with others? What are you saying to us about our involvement to serve you? The life, the direction of our lives and how, how we spend our money. And how, my God, to hear your voice and all of the great things, the great plans that we have. Father, can we set those aside simply because we obey the voice, that still small voice, the urging, the moving, the guiding hand, your spirit that goes before us, that walks alongside us, that urges us to do what you called us to do. I pray, Father, develop in us a sensitivity as believers, as men and women of God, as husbands, as wives, as friends, as parents, as children, as students, as workers, all that we are, whatever we are, Father God, that you would enable us to follow your lead. This is my prayer this morning. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. With our eyes still closed and our heads still bowed, there are times, sometimes in moments like this, where as we take an inventory of, our, of ourselves, we realize, man, I, I don't know how close I am to God to begin with. And whether or not I've, I've accepted Him and allowed Him to be the Lord of my life, to, to rule my life, to direct me, that he doesn't want to harm me, he doesn't want to take away, but to fill my life, to give me life to the fullest. And perhaps you're here this morning and say, you know what, I don't know if I've come to the point where I've totally surrendered everything to God. I hope you feel the nudging of the Lord, even now, the whisper of his spirit, even now, to guide you to the place he wants you to be. And so if, if, if you're here and you say, Lord, I need you. I need to be forgiven of my sins. I want you to pray with me this morning. Just simply say, say these words. Father God, forgive me for my sins. I believe that you love me. And even now, you're calling me. And so I hear your voice by faith and I receive your grace. I accept your son as my savior. Jesus, enter into my life. Forgive me of my sins. All that you've done for me on the cross of Calvary, I accept as payment for my soul. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Father God, I pray for those who have said this prayer, Lord, in sincerity and in truth, Lord, that you would right now lift the burdens, that you would provide a new direction, new direction for their lives, that you would provide them the, the, the ability to serve you, to live for you. My God, change the whole direction of their lives, my God, simply because they hear your voice and have followed, my God. Thank you this morning. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Amen. Give the Lord praise. Amen. All right. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Father God. We thank you. We 
Thank you, Lord. Oh, God, we are humbled, my God, humbled at your grace. The grace of God is humbling. The grace of God is, is awesome. And he's here this morning. If God has spoken to you, why don't you come? Come to the altar. Perhaps we've been so overwhelmed with agendas and plans and stressed with life that we get to a point where we don't hear the voice anymore, where we don't feel the gentle nudging of God anymore. God, wake us, my God, from our slumber. Wake us, my God. Oh, God, break away the hardened hearts, oh, God. Help us to hear your voice, the moving of your spirit. Help us, my God, to sense when you are guiding us and speaking to us. We need you this morning. We need you, Father, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God.